Welcome to American Players Theater Talkbacks to Go. I'm Buzz Kemper, and I invite you to take a walk up the hill with Orange Schroeder and me as Orange chats with actors Jim Ridge and Kelsey Brennan about APT's 2016 production of Eurydice by Sarah Rule. We are here to talk about Eurydice by Sarah Rule, and I'm happy to have with me Eurydice herself, uh, Kelsey Brennan, and Eurydice's father, Jim Ridge, who doesn't look old enough to be her father, but we'll take it as part of the theater (laughs) magic. (laughs) Um, And I wanted to start by mentioning that uh, Eurydice was read during APT's Winter Words, and Kelsey played Eurydice uh, in that reading, and Jim directed it. And I don't think that everybody knows what Winter Words is, so could you tell us a little bit about that and how it uh, factored into APT's decision to do the play? Sure. Uh, So Winter Words is a uh, reading series that we have uh, during the winter months. I believe it's uh, January, February. I mean, the coldest part of the winter. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's an opportunity for us to um, read some plays that that we're considering for our upcoming seasons and also plays that that we don't know about um, and and to read them out loud for, um, for our audiences to gauge reaction to see how the actors feel about the play and to kind of start a conversation about plays that are kind of on the short list for us. And Eurydice was one of those mm-hmm. two years ago. Yeah, two years ago they, they uh, had as a sort of a theme uh, classical stories reimagined by contemporary authors. So Sarah Rules was one of them. And Sarah is a very contemporary artist. She was born in 1974 in Illinois and... Uh, some of her works have uh, Forward Theater in Madison has done um, the, in the next room. Mm-hmm. And one of the fascinating things about Eurydice is that it had its world premiere in Madison uh, back in the days of the Madison Rep. And uh, that was in 2003. I remember seeing it. I think many, some of our other audience members might might also have seen it. So it has that exciting connection with, with our community. But it's not a play that is what you would normally expect from APT, especially for a retelling of a, a Greek myth. Um, how does she approach it? Sarah Rule is nothing if not poetic. So while, while it's not um, Shakespeare and, and the language isn't hard to access in any way, the relationships and the images and um, the world that she evokes through her use of language is quite extraordinary um, and something we were interested in exploring as artists and, and very luckily get to do so, have been doing so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she, um, she takes on the original myth, which has more to do with Orpheus and reimagines it from uh, as Eurydice being the, the main focal point. But Sarah Rule was also, on a personal level, was grappling with the loss of her own father and so it ends up being a it's not a dissertation it's a it's all poetry a poetic imagining of grief and that process mm-hmm. and that struggle i it the play if nothing is about the struggle of grief 
So there's a connection perhaps between King Lear and um, <laughs> Death of a Salesman. I mean, we're talking a little bit about fathers this year. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and you are Eurydice's father. Tell us about your role, Jim. Uh, so in the play, Eurydice's father has already passed. And um, through some mechanism, not clearly defined in the play, uh, <laughs> is aware of her getting married and uh, and then so the whole two-thirds of the play really take place in the underworld um, where her father and Eurydice are, are reunited. I don't want to, it's I hard to talk it's about like, without giving too much, much away. How much can you yeah. say? <laughs> that's, that's a good start. Mm-hmm. Well, and Jim mentioned the, the play being poetic, and one of the things that I find mm-hmm. fascinating is that not only are the words poetic, but the, um, the stage directions. Uh, for instance, what, what Sarah Rule refers to as the second movement starts with the instructions, the underworld, there is no set change, strange watery noises, drip, drip, drip. The movement to the underworld is marked by the entrance of stones. And then these characters that are indeed stones take the stage. We have big stone, loud stone, and little stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not really used to talking rocks. How mm-hmm. does, have you seen how, what the portrayal of the rocks, the stones will be? I mean. Yeah, it, it's been a really interesting process for them to figure out. So there's three of them. They move through the play like a chorus. They speak at the same time uh, throughout the play many times. But as actors, <laughs> I think playing a stone, playing a rock, and thinking, it, thinking of it as an immovable object is a really limiting uh, character to take on. So I think just this week we've watched them play with movement and play with different um, physical structure, but also kind of take on the idea of being a stone in a spiritual sense, Mm. in that in this underworld, when you die, you become this entity that we call stone. And that is um, something that affects you in your being, in your identity, that you forget and uh, you really have a very limited vocabulary for what your job is, um, and it hardens you, in a sense. Or literally. Or literally, yeah. Yeah, I think both. I think both for our play. And what is the character of Eurydice like? (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll tell you in 90 minutes when you come to see it. Uh, But um, Eurydice is someone who like Jim was saying, I think is really, really struggling with the loss, with loss, with the loss of her father in particular, with the loss of, of someone who um, made her feel the most like herself. And when you lose that person and you lose inevitably the way that that person makes you feel, I think it, it kind of throws you into a tailspin. That's happening at the same time that she's finding real love for the first time with Orpheus. Um, And those two experiences um, begin to affect one another in strange, poetic, 
lovely, weird ways. So she is a woman um, in in a in a in a state of internal conflict, huge internal conflict, um, trying to face her own demons and figure out how to move forward. I remember when I saw the play in Madison that there was running water on stage, which was and still is rather unusual. Um, but there is the symbolism of water in the play. Um, do you think there'll be, will, or do we know if there will be real water on, on stage in uh, the APT production? I know, <laughs> I know they started, uh, the design collaboration team kind of started with um, having to unpack the poetry of, <clears throat> pardon me, Sarah Rule's imagery. Uh, specifically in the stage directions, as you were talking about. Um, And there are certain things that they thought that they couldn't do right off the bat, like have a reigning elevator. So then the job became to dig inside the metaphor and to figure out what it is that she was trying to say and to figure out how to make that... make that metaphor still living and breathing and pointing us toward something, uh, something greater, something about our universal experience as humans um, without having an actual reigning elevator. Mm -hmm. So I think there's still going to be, I think they've been ingenious the way they've been going at it, you know, digging away at it like archaeologists with a fine brush. I think there's, they have found a way to do some water, I think in an unexpected way, mm-hmm. <clears throat> with a, I keep wanting to say sprocket, <laughs> an inside joke. Maybe when you come, you'll see a spigot. Um, it's a it's, spigot. To most people, it's called a spigot. I, think. Um, I guess on the other side of the pond, <laughs> Tyne is from England. Yes, the director <clears throat> we should mention is uh, Tyne Raffaelli, who mm-hmm. came last year for the first time to APT to um, direct Pride and Prejudice uh, up the hill and is back this year to do Eurydice. And uh, Eurydice is in the touchstone, Mm -hmm. so she doesn't have to deal with mosquitoes and heat this year. (laughs) And neither do we. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But ultimately, um, uh, Tyne sat down with Sarah Rule this winter and talked with her about the play and and what um, her intentions as playwright were in the way that she wrote the stage directions. And Tyne received her blessing to be able to not co-author, not rewrite, but to investigate and reimagine what some of those metaphors might suggest and what they might uh, morph into for our space. So, you know, it's not being done behind closed curtains. Mm-hmm. Uh, the playwright is aware of it. And, and it's all, this whole process has been one of very, very respectful uh, exploration of the text and the author's intent um, to try to to try to get across what it was that she wants to say, and that's un- one of the advantages of working with a living poet or living playwright. Um, Sarah Rule actually started out as a poet and uh, happened to study in college with Paula Vogel, who wrote mm-hmm. "How I Learned to Drive," mm-hmm. and you can see uh, in some of her work, I think, the influence of a realistic playwright but also of the poetry. And it sounds like this play is particularly focused on the poetic aspect of theater without much realism. 
you could definitely say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to end by asking about um, a, a nasty, interesting man and, mm. and oh, yeah. uh, what that role is all about. Mm. That, it, that is one of the great mysteries of this play. Uh, and I think Cedric Mays, who's playing the role, is just really approaching it very, very smartly with Tyne and figuring out specifically what it is. Uh, the Nasty Interesting Man is a man who appears uh, to Eurydice on Earth, I guess you could say, above the underworld. And then it uh, is suggested through her stage directions that he may be the same man who comes in and says he's the lord of the underworld. So maybe he's the devil, maybe he's a phantom, uh, we'll, we'll find out, but he definitely represents some, some dark energy. Uh, well, the sort of catchphrase has been all along, is this confusing or mysterious? <laughs> and so all of our choices have been shaped by, let's, let's try to make this poetic and mysterious, mysterious. but not confusing. Right. Wonderful. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> well, we, we look forward to uh, taking this journey with Eurydice and uh, to see what you have interpreted from this fascinating play. Thank you both so much. Us too. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Talkbacks to Go is a production of Orange Tree Imports and Audio for the Arts. Your host is Orange Schroeder. I'm Buzz Kemper. Our music is used by permission of the artist. Please find us on iTunes and YouTube under APT Talkbacks to Go. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>